Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Hey, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, We're going to have a little bit of a discussion time. We're going to watch something on the TV. I have a little video, which uh, I really enjoy using. It's from the um, Joe Rogan podcast, which you guys know I really enjoy, but I don't recommend for those of you under 18. But... um, very informative if you want to learn about people in the world, and especially in a very, as a Christian, I think it's, it's amazing because they really get on some interesting topics. He just interviewed Matthew McConaughey, popular actor, and they talk a little bit about religion, spirituality, which goes in with today. We're going to be in John uh, chapter 3, and so uh, I thought it went well today. So we're going to try our best to go off this TV. I think the sound's going to come off the speaker. We'll put the TV up on the table. And so kind of gather around, watch it, and here's what we're going to do is we're going to discuss it. Here's what I want is what did you pull from it? What did you learn from these two people talking when it comes to Christianity, religion, the Bible, and things like that? Um, there's a lot of great truths that, 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 that come out of the Bible, and it is open for and a lot of people. It has been interpreted and reinterpreted. It has been translated. It has been handed down. Um, I, for myself, I don't know what to do in my daily life with the burning bush. I don't know what to do with that. Um, I do know what to do with love your neighbor like yourself. I do know what to do with Matthew 6, 22. If they I be single, that whole body will be full of light. I do know what to do with some Proverbs that I can take into daily practice and go, oh, I felt my life. I felt improvement. I felt success in my relationships and my relationship with the day, with my career by following that, um, by treating others how I wanted to be treated, the golden rule. So I, I take the practical stuff myself um, and try to try to utilize it and, and pick out what can work for me. When you say when you say you don't know what to do with the burning bush, like what do you, what do you mean by that? I don't know what to do on a daily basis with the teaching of, um, and and then he, you know, and then he 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 showed up as a, a, a as a burning bush or the magic tricks, and I don't know what to do with, and Jesus healed everyone that, he, and he couldn't walk, and now he touched him and he can walk. I don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't know how to take that into my life and go, oh, there's something useful and practical and healthy for you, Matthew, that you can practice there. So the magic. Um, that leans in towards, you know, what we would call now more fantasy. I don't know what to do with that. I, there's, there's philosophies, and there's proverbs, and there's teachings that I think are very valid and very helpful um, that we could all be reminded of that are in the Bible that I do find quite useful. All right, guys, for the sake of time, I'm not sure if everyone got to share, but hey, what, what are some of the things, hey, laughing group over there, funny group, funny group, cool group, if you guys are watching online, we had a little discussion uh, on the video that you just saw uh, online, and um, and they're not listening to me, so that's what's happening, which is the normal part of our church service. But a uh, little bit of feedback, as people are watching online, they can kind of hear. But what what stood out from that interview? Um, whether you want to share yours or you thought someone else said something brilliant, you want to steal theirs. What stood out to you? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, how do you logically look at the Bible? It's like, that. so you can see his struggle with that. Ephraim said a cool thing. He's like, he's got all the puzzle, puzzle pieces. He just hasn't put them together yet. But you could tell he's, he's playing with the puzzle pieces. Yeah. 
using the Bible as a pick, as a cherry pick, right? I like this part of the Bible. I don't understand that. I'll leave that alone. I like this part of the Bible. Can you relate a lot of these things in our society, what people kind of do with Jesus or the Bible? You know, um, what else? What else stood out to you guys from that interview? Yeah. He called them. Yeah. Which is super important for us because as Christians, we can get so used to that. For a lot of people, it's a magic trick, which honestly, turning water to wine, we forget. <laughs> That's kind of like the, <laughs> a magical thing, right? And, um, and But here's what's cool is what does that word mean? Because maybe magic to them does mean miraculous. They just use different words. And so the language that people use to describe the Bible, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Someone raised their hand over here. I saw another hand raised. Yeah. I take what I can use from the Bible, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I th bet for a lot of us is hard. Like those hard passages in the Bible are things we don't understand. We just kind of like, eh. And maybe we miss something because we just take the easy, like, oh, yeah, be nice to people. You know, the easy ones. Yeah. So the Bible was used for morality, not for a relationship with Jesus. Self-help. John chapter 3, Jesus meets someone like Matthew McConaughey, but doesn't have the money, the looks, or and is not an actor, but is going through the same journey. If you have your app, Bible app, if you have your Bible, John 3, remember, this is up close and personal with Jesus. Check out this interaction that Jesus has with a man named Nicodemus, who I think was on the same journey that Matthew McConaughey was on. And let's see how Jesus interacts with him. John 3, verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee. A Pharisee is just a, um, a type of teacher, Jewish teacher back then. Okay, And so there was a Pharisee, a man named uh, Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. If you have a pen or pencil or you take notes, at night is really important. Do you know why he came at night? To be secretive. He was part of a council. you got to remember that was an enemy of Jesus. They saw Jesus as someone who's going to take away their money, their power, and their influence. What happens when you have money, power, and influence, and you feel threatened? What do you do? You attack. We see that politically in our country. We see that socially, right? You attack the person because they're going to take from you. He's a part of that, so he comes at night. This is important because Nicodemus is on a journey. Matthew McConaughey is on a journey. If you're in school, the person next to you, they're on a journey. At work, they're on a journey. Don't judge where they're at. Try to make a judgment of where they can be. That's why Jesus was so effective. He saw people for where they could be, not necessarily where they're at. So Jesus realized Nicodemus is on a journey, and we're going to see this journey throughout John for Nicodemus. So he came at night because he wanted to be secretive. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. He's complimenting Jesus. But remember, the first week of John, Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants followers. Jesus doesn't care necessarily about applause. He's looking for disciples. And so he's trying to butter them up. But Jesus, what did we talk about last week? He did not entrust himself to people. You can't butter them up. Because he knows what's in our hearts and he knows what's in their hearts. Rabbi, we know you're a good teacher. You're the man, right? For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God we're not with him. Jesus replied, 
And you notice when Jesus replies to people, he never answers their question. He says something else. <laughs> Have you ever wondered why he does that? Because this is why many times we ask the wrong questions and Jesus wants to give us the right answer. When I talk to people who aren't connected to Jesus or maybe they're on a journey where they're trying to figure out Jesus, you know what they do? They go back to like Matthew McConaughey. Well, figure out the burning bush. I can't believe the Bible because of the burning bush or Jonah in a stupid whale. That's dumb. That sounds like a children's story, you know? But here's the thing is that's the wrong question. If you figure out Jesus, then Jonah makes sense. If you figure out Jesus, then a burning bush is no big deal. You're asking the wrong question. Let's start with who is Jesus rather than how do we know if the Bible is this or that or, you know, how many ancient manuscripts? No, no, no. Wrong question. The right question, you guys, is always start with Jesus. If someone tries to talk to you about evolution, if someone tries to talk to you about all these other things, that's the wrong question. Jesus takes them back to the right answer. If you figure out Jesus, you figure out everything else in life, all other arguments. Start with Jesus. And so Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see. That word see means to perceive or to accept in your mind. That's what that word see means. He's not talking about literally seeing. He's saying that, very true, I tell you that you cannot perceive and your mind will not accept the kingdom of God unless you're born again. How can someone be born again when they're old, Nicodemus asks, and he's got to say it like, dude, this is, a dumb, this is a dumb conversation. He doesn't get it. He says, surely you cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. He's probably smiling, looking at other people like, is this guy an idiot now? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter. No, notice he doesn't say see the kingdom of God. No one can even enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. You see, the flesh gives birth to the flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at what I'm saying. You must be born again. And then he goes on to explain how to be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What Jesus is saying is there's a mystery of how to become a Christian. It's mysterious in some ways. But it's a movement of the Spirit. It's not a movement of the human will. What I find is that for many of us, it's not us accepting Jesus. It's that Jesus pursues us so much we can't help but accept him. And that the Spirit begins to reveal things. You're on this journey and, revel and your mind is accepting more and more things. It's a work of God, not just a work of you. You see, Jesus, his agenda is transformation, not self-dedication. Understand this. Jesus' work is transformation, not self-dedication. You cannot work hard enough to understand God. You must be transformed to have the ability to understand God. It's a work of the Spirit. Because it's a crazy, I think we forget the longer we're Christians, it's a crazy, if you read the Bible, you do use words like magic. It's, it's insane. Like, we put our life in the hands of someone that died and rose again. That never happens. We never see that. That's zombie movies. That's what we would do for entertainment. Oh, zombies, right? Like, and so when people hear about Jesus, they're like, oh yeah, that's like a zombie movie, right? Oh yeah, and then he's, uh, he's awake. and he's, it, That's how they attribute it then Brian, how do you become a Christian? It's a movement of the spirit. There's a mystery there. It's not a debate. It's a transformation of the mind to perceive, to understand, to receive spiritual things. Now, Jesus, 
he's saying this in a way that is quoting the Old Testament. If you want to write this down, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Remember, everything that Jesus says is confirmed in the Old Testament. He's saying, hey, God has said this for thousands of years. You just haven't been listening. This is what Ezekiel says. He's quoting Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27. This is what God said thousands of years ago. For I will take out the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into his own land. Notice God is about gathering the nations. The Jewish nation was supposed to show God in a way that other nations would want to follow God. God was not exclusive. He wanted to include all nations for thousands of years. And he still does today. Ezekiel goes on to write, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart, not a better heart. He's not going to repair your heart. He's going to destroy it and give you a new heart. I've said this over and over. I want you to understand this, that God is not looking to make a better version of you. He's looking to completely destroy you and rebuild you. And this is where our great struggle is because some of us, we like who we are and we're like, I don't want to be destroyed. I just want him to tweak a few things. Kind of Matthew McConaughey. Just tweak a few things. Make me a little bit nicer. Make me a little bit more patient. Maybe. And God's like, no, no, no. I'm in the business of transformation. Complete transformation. And he said this in the Old Testament. He says, I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a new heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit not on you, but in you. That's really important. Most of the Old Testament, the Spirit has been on people, not in them. The Spirit, if you read the Old Testament, the Spirit came on people, and he said, now my Spirit's going to be in you. How does God transform you? He literally infuses you with his Spirit. When you give your life to Jesus, when you make a mind dedication to say, I perceive you, I understand you, and I receive you, his Spirit comes in you and completely transforms you. He gives you new desires. Here's the other way he, because some of us, we struggle with that. But Brian, I still struggle with sin. I still struggle with sin. How can the spirit of God be in me? And when I mess up and I know I shouldn't, and I say things I shouldn't, I look at the, well, here's why his spirit's in you. Because at least you're convicted of knowing what wrong is and knowing what right is. When the spirit's not in you, what God considers wrong, you think is right. And what God considers right, you don't even want to do. So even the conviction piece is a work of the Spirit because why? There's something being transformed in you says, that's not the way a human being should interact anymore. That anger, that lust, that pride. So that even shows the Spirit because there's a conflict because transformation means there's a conflict. When we lack the conflict of conviction of sin, we usually lack the Spirit of God. So when you feel convicted, rejoice because that's the Spirit in you transforming you. And he says it from what Jesus is quoting from Ezekiel. He's reminding them that God has come to be in you to make you different. Not necessarily what you think is better, but to make you different. Notice Jesus also escalates it, though. In verse 3, he says that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And he also says, he reiterates, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. To be a Christian, to be with God forever, you must be born again, not a better person. You guys are nodding, but many of our faiths are, are like Matthew McConaughey. We open the Bible, pick and choose what we like, and then the difficult ones that says maybe certain sin or certain things, we're like, nah, I'll, I'm going to brush that one off. And our lack of conviction at times can maybe show lack of the work of the Spirit in us. 
We must be born again. Start over. Redo. Already came out of a mother's womb, I know, but now there's a spiritual sense of a spiritual womb to come out of where you're a new person. Not a better version, completely new person. My question is this, and I know for some of us, we're like, ah, oh, Brian, I've been going to church for a long time, but I think we can never stop asking this question. It's my question is this, are you born again? Born again. I'm not saying you're perfect, but I'm saying where you're allowing the spirit to transform you, where you've received your mind, understands who Jesus is. You can see the kingdom of God. You can perceive it. Your mind accepts who Jesus is, and now you can enter in as far as living out the kingdom of God, living out the will of God, living out the values of God. That's being born again. This is why Jesus says, who is my family? Remember later on? Like, your family's outside. He's like, no, no, no. I'm born again. I have a new family. And remember last week we talked about be careful who you entrust yourself to? Jesus says, the new family, I only entrust myself to the Father, to no one else. I don't entrust myself to my parents. But aren't you supposed to honor your parents? Uh Uh-huh, you honor them. But I entrust myself to the Father. Yeah, I honor my wife, but I entrust myself to the Father. Yeah, I honor my friends, but I tr- entrust myself to the Father. He says it's a new family. It's a new way. The kingdom of God is a new way of looking at life. I think the model that Jesus would use is this. Don't try more. Die more. Die to yourself. Don't try harder. Die to yourself. When the word of God is at conflict with what you want to do or what you think you want to do, you die to yourself. Here's why this passage is important. This sets up, what's the most popular passage that everybody knows, even though they don't know what it says? John what? 316, football games, we'll probably see it. You got it on your cap there, right? John 316. John 316 is set up by this. In light of this, now let's read John 316. So because of this, you must be born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes, remember that word believes, is in trust. It's the word believe in trust that we just read before last week. That whoever entrusts themselves shall not perish. Not not whoever thinks that Jesus is a great teacher, that the Bible is a good book, that I'm pretty moral, I'm not as bad as that person to the left. That's not entrusting. That whoever entrusts their lives, whoever entrusts their finances, whoever entrusts their relationships, when God says to forgive, I don't want to forgive. I entrust myself to you that if I forgive, it's going to glorify you. That whoever humbles themselves, that whoever sacrificially loves, again, it's the kingdom of God. It's his values. It's his way. And even though I'm in conflict, I'm being transformed. But as I entrust myself, what I know is I shall not perish, but I have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. That's so important because the church comes off as condemning to the world. The church is so good at judging the world, but what's interesting is Paul even says in Corinthians, the church doesn't judge the world. The church should judge itself. Start with yourself. Don't start with the world. We love the world. We judge ourselves. (laughs) And we do the opposite. We overlook sin in the church, but then we judge the world. But then we're okay with a little gossip in our group. We're okay with they're doing that. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to. And we live with sin. We turn a blind eye, but then the world, oh, we'll post about the world's sin and how bad people are and how this is, and this is ruining the world. Jesus did not come to condemn. He came to love them. 
to save the world. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Many of us, we struggle to give our lives to God because we don't want to give up certain deeds, certain things that are in our hearts or minds. It's tough. Some, some sins are very comforting to us. It's hard to give up. But Jesus says, listen, that's where true comfort comes from, is walking into the light, letting things be exposed, and letting God heal, letting God change. He says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. John 3.16 is in light of that. God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, and it's light of this being born again, dying more, not trying more, living in the light and trusting ourselves to him. But that's hard. It's difficult to do. This practically works out itself. Sometimes we over-spiritualize this. But this constant sense of dying to yourself is... It's a daily thing. That's what Paul says. He says, dying is not a one-time thing. You constantly die yourself. You have to kill yourself over and over and over again. I know it sounds weird right now. Like if you're not a believer, you're like, bro, you are sounding really weird. But here's the thing. It's the kingdom of God. It's perceived in spiritual ways, not in ways that we tend to think. I know for me, um, this just worked itself out this week as I was thinking about my own life. Um, I was at a uh, fast food restaurant and there was a, uh, a homeless guy um, who was sitting on the benches and I was kind of running in. I was in a rush and want to get in and get out. And he goes, hey, bro, can you buy me something? And I literally just didn't have any cash on. And, and so I just, I was in a rush. and I'm like, I don't have any cash on me. Sorry, bro. And I felt like as soon as I was running in, the Holy Spirit was like, how dare you? Because <laughs> here's the thing. Most of the time, homeless people ask for money and I never give money. But I buy him food. I'll be like, do you want to buy food? And I've had some people be like, nah, I'd rather take the money. And that's what I know. I'm like, no, not going to happen, right? So that's kind of, but the Holy Spirit was convicting me. And so here's the other thing. I'm going to be very honest with you. And I feel very ashamed, but I am forgiven. So just remember that. Um, I only had a 20 in my wallet. This sounds horrible. I don't even know if I want to share this story now. <laughs> when, when I thought about it, when I was preparing the sermon, it sounded pretty spiritual, but now. So here's my honesty is I don't want to give him a 20. Let me take you through the transformation. You see, we're at a stage of our family's life where my kids are older. And so I've been working hard, doing some extra side job, doing some things where I'm really trying to build up our future, working on our finances. We're out of debt, working on our uh, retirement plan. Like I've been the last three months, I have been dominated with greedy money, but really saying I need to set up our family. I'm at an age, I'm at a time I want to, you know, I want to do that. And I think what the Spirit showed is I might be getting a little bit greedy as I'm trying to think about the stability of our family. When I couldn't give $20 and I didn't want to, and I was glad that I didn't have it on me. It was in the car, though. But I was like, oh, it's not on, and on me. like it's not on me. If I don't say anything, if I get in the car and drive away, everyone still thinks I'm a pretty good person. Because overall, I can be like, wait, I've, I've done homeless ministry before. Back in my 20s, I was on fire for God. I used to do this and that. and So I could look pretty good. The Holy Spirit, be careful. I'm not looking for a better you. I'm looking for you to kill yourself and be reborn. 
You see, the kingdom of God is about as you give, God will always fill you back up. You never have, you cannot be so generous that God can't fill you back up, whether it's financially, emotionally. He wants you to test him. Be the kingdom of God is generous. We give, we serve, but I'm tired. God will fill you up. I don't know if I have enough love. God will pour more love in. Just trust him. Keep entrusting yourself to him. That's where the miracle is. And many of us stop short of the miracle because we're pretty good people. So we never experience the true resurrection of where I empty myself and God says, now I'm going to fill you up and I empty myself and now I'm going to fill you up. So this conviction is happening. I'm glad the conviction is happening. It shows I'm a Christian. No conviction. I'm a man. I need to look at my own salvation. So the Holy Spirit, so I'm running, get the food, and the Holy Spirit's still convicting. And I'm trying to just, you know, you do it where you justify your own saying, like, nah, nah, it's not that bad, you know? And I'm in a rush and I got to get going. And I'm doing all this kind of stuff and he'll probably be okay. And then I'm like, maybe another Christian will come and help. You know, I'm doing all this stuff. That are, it's so evil. You guys, it's, it's pure evil in my heart that a dude's asking for food. I have plenty of money. I have a house, four cars. I have retirement I'm working on. And 20 bucks, I'm arguing. So luckily I was preparing the sermon because I'm like, oh man, I need to. So I get the 20, I go in, I forgot something in the restaurant. I run back around, I'm like, bro, I don't have time and I never do this, but I'm like, here's the 20. What was interesting was like, I didn't know if he was gonna take it back. Like, Peace out, thank you. I run in, he immediately follows in behind me and he goes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. He wouldn't stop. Three or four people are online, they're noticing, like he's close to me, right? And he's like, and I'm like, it's cool, man. I'm like, God bless you. You know, trying to throw a little Christianese in there, you know, just like, God bless you. And I'm like, do I bring them to Christ? What do I do? No, I'm evil. I'm struggling with God right now. You're just on your, like all these things are going through my mind. I'm like, if he only knew, right? He orders immediately, orders for like four or five, like he just went to town. Homie was hungry. There goes my 20. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, no, I follow God. I feel good about it. This dude's in line. And this guy looks like he has money. You know, those people that just, the shorts he wears, his shirt. He has really nice cologne. Like he smells good. I can smell him. You know, I'm like, this guy has more money than me. I think he's wearing like penny loafers with no socks. That's an instant like, okay, you're, you got money if you're wearing penny loafers with no socks. Like you're, you're, you probably own a sailboat, you know, things like that. That's my assumption. He must have saw enough because he comes up and he, what do you think he hands me? $20 bill. He's like, hey, it's on me, man. He hands me a 20. And I felt like God was like this. Nah, 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 Has God ever done that to you guys? Nah, 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 right? Where you're like, there's no way I'm giving. Darn it, but I'm obedient. But ah, I lost 20 bucks, you know. That could have helped me like this. And God's like, I got you. Who would have known that some penny loafer wearing sailboat owning dude was going to be in line at a fast food restaurant. They eat at foo-foo restaurants. Not us poor people. We go to fast food. He was going to see what's going on. And maybe God was working on his heart. But can you perceive the kingdom of God? Or does everything have to make sense to you in order to follow God? If it has to make sense first, then you'll never have the faith. You'll never entrust yourself to God. And you'll never experience the miracle. This is the rebirth. The rebirth is, as I give 20, now settle down, you guys. This is not a you give 20, God always gives you 20. That's not that. But, but wait, but sometimes it is that. Sometimes it is that. 
it's the rebirth of, oh yeah, I live by faith, not by sight. Oh, I live for the kingdom of God and for the poor, not for my retirement. Oh yeah, I forgive even when I don't want to forgive that person. Why? Because God's forgiven me. I live in a new way. And as I forgive that person, all of a sudden God fills my heart with love and I'm like, oh, that's why you wanted me to do it. Yes. I want to remind you of this. Nicodemus, Nicodemus is on a journey, you guys, and so are we. John chapter 3, Nicodemus questioned him at night. Read it later this week. John chapter 7, the Pharisees are debating about Jesus and they're getting angry. Who do you think defends Jesus with the other Pharisees? Remember, these guys are going to kill Jesus a few months later. Who do you think defends Jesus in that argument? Nicodemus is brought up. Read it. John chapter 7. He goes from secrecy at night. Then he goes to defending Jesus in the day. And I don't know if you guys know this, but do you know who helped bury Jesus in John chapter 19? Nicodemus, it says 75 pounds. 75 pounds of um, ointment and things like that, an, an immense amount of money. Today it would be thousands, maybe hundreds. Of th he spent his own money. He went from secrecy at night, defending Jesus in the day, to sacrificing Jesus in his burial. He helped bury Jesus in John chapter 19. I want to encourage you with this. Being spiritually reborn is a lifelong process. It's not just a moment in time. Just like a woman who gives birth, there's pains there, and the baby slowly right comes out. It's the same way spiritually where it's a journey. And for some of you to be patient in your journey, but it's a journey. It's about progression towards the transformation of entrusting yourself to Jesus. This is the gospel, the good news. And here it is. It starts with God, not you. But you've got to respond, just like Nicodemus, that when God gives you a little bit, keep going with it. I bet Nicodemus was part of the first disciples from what we would see this progression. This is the good news. This is John 3.16. But it's a process of entrusting ourselves, and it never ends. It never ends. Let's go ahead and take our time right now. And just to sit on that as far as the work that God's doing in you and the journey that you're on as far as this, this transformation, this rebirth. As you take communion today, this sense of dying to yourself and rising anew in him. And I want to give you the encouragement of whatever you died to yourself in, God will rebuild and resurrect something even better. But he's not looking for a better you. He's looking for a completely new you. So Jesus, we come before you now and God, I thank you that we could see Jesus up close and personal, his interaction with someone that was struggling, his interaction with someone that started off in secret, asking questions, and then we see about two years later would be part of the burial of you, would be sacrificing his own money to give to you. And God, I pray that we would journey towards that, that we would see that as we give to you, that what you resurrect in our lives is something beautiful. That as we empty ourselves, that you fill us up with you. And having you in us is better than us keeping our own hearts and minds and soul. Having you transform us is better than anything else in the world, Jesus. So Jesus, I, I pray we could see you as that you so loved us, you love this world, that you function out of love, which means you have what is best for us, what is good for us. We just have to trust you to get rid of our fears, our insecurities, our questions, and just entrust ourselves to you because you are the way, you are the truth, 
and you are the life. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 